From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Lead poisoning remains a concern for children in particular. I'm speaking about this with Dr. Travis Hobart. He's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate who also specializes in public health, and he's also the medical director of the Central Eastern New York Lead Resource Center. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Hobart. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get specific. Um, lead poisoning, is that a concern in rural areas or cities or both? Uh, well, it could be a concern in both. Um, uh, we certainly see more cases of it in cities um, for a couple reasons. First of all, because there are more people in cities. Um, and secondly, um, because it, it's much more likely that people are renting homes in cities and we more often see it in rental homes than in uh, than in homes that are owned. Um, that's that's a, a matter of the, the, the nature of rentals that the landlord doesn't always um, clean the, the paint as well as, as people do in their own homes. Um, but that said, it, it definitely is a, an issue for rural areas too. So I thought that lead paint, I thought that was tied to like old construction, older homes, but do you, could it still be a, an issue in new construction? Uh, no, it's generally it is older homes, as you thought. Um, the we banned um, the U.S. Uh, banned lead paint in 1978. Um, so any any house built after 1978 doesn't have lead paint in it. Um, there are some other potential sources uh, in the home, though. So so it doesn't mean that if you live in a new home, you're totally free from risk. Um, there are some uh, piping, uh, water pipes that, that have lead in them, even still today, a little tiny bit, um, but th that was banned a little bit later. Um, so sometimes the pipes in the homes have that. Um, that's typically not as much of a problem here in Syracuse as, as it is, in, you might remember in Clinton, Michigan, where they weren't treating the water appropriately. Syracuse, the water is generally treated appropriately for that um, to keep the lead from leaching out of the pipes and it, then it stays in the pipes. Um, and then finally, um, there are things in the home that might that might uh, might expose you to lead as well. So the things that we see sometimes are uh, certain types of foods. Often it's a you know a spice or something like that that's brought from a different country. Uh, maybe a family member brings it or or sends it to uh, to them, um, or it's you know uh, uh, so so then the people in the in the home might eat the spice and that has been contaminated with lead. Um, somehow, and then get lead exposure that way. Um, and then sometimes we see it in toys um, that that kids are chewing on the toy or, or something like that, and might have lead in it. Um, and then finally, the other thing that we sometimes see are occupational exposures. So if the parent is working in a in a field where they either still use lead paint, which they do in some construction, um, particularly bridges, um, are painted with lead paint still. Um, so if, if someone's doing that, or if someone is doing construction and tearing down old houses, um, or if um, someone works with uh, car batteries frequently, um, some other some other sources that the parent might be exposed, um, which is maybe bad for the parent, but also that might get on the clothing. And then if the child doesn't take the clothes, if, if the parent doesn't take the clothes off when they get home, and the child gets into the clothes, or, or the parent tracks it into the house, then the child can be exposed that way. Um, so. So those are some ways that you could get it even in a new home. So lead is a naturally occurring metal. So what does it do when it gets into the body? Yeah, so so the, the main uh, problems for lead, well, there, there are numerous, it affects numerous organ systems. Um, the main problems that we 
the, the most urgent problems that we worry about in kids is that it causes anemia. It affects the blood cells. Um, it sort of takes the place of iron, which our body normally needs, and, and it, uh, it, it causes anemia because the cells don't work well when they have lead in them instead of iron. It, it sort of poisons the, the normal processes that the cells go through, um, so they get anemic. Um, and then the other sort of more long-term effect is that it affects the brain. Um, and, and so that's the more concerning effect um, is, that, is that you get uh, uh, permanent effects on the brain potentially, um, where it can affect attention and memory and learning. Um, and these are all especially crucial for developing children because their brain is going through rapid, rapid development process. Um, and if those processes get um, interrupted by the, by the lead, then that can be a lifelong, uh, you know, lifelong problem. So that's why this is more of a concern in children than than necessarily in adults. Right, right, exactly. And and the other the other thing that's sort of a cruel, uh, cruel fate of nature is that that children actually absorb it better than adults do, um, for some reason in the in the intestines. Um, and that is particularly true if if children are iron deficient, because as I said, it, it it kind of mimics iron. So if someone is not getting enough iron in their diet, which we know that a number of people, especially people that are, who are impoverished and living in, in cities may not be getting a healthy diet. Um, they're not getting the iron that they need, so they're iron deficient, and then their body absorbs even more lead than it would if they if they had a, if they had good nutrition. Um, and so, and then on top of that, um, it's also absorbed more readily. Once it's in the body, it's absorbed more readily into the brain in children than it is in adults. So, so it's really a, kind of a cruel, cruel twist. Um, so how does it how does it get into the body? Because you you mentioned how kids may chew on something. D does it have to go in through sort of the mouth, or can you breathe it in through your lungs, or does it so, get absorbed through the skin? No. So yeah. So it doesn't go through the skin, but you can get it through the mouth or the lungs. Um, most of the kids are getting it through the mouth, and that's because of the nature of children. They're crawling around in dust, and the the lead paint has come off the walls in in dust form or flakes. And they're crawling around, getting it on their hands, on their toys, and then putting their, them in their mouth as, as you know, one and two-year-olds do regularly. They're putting things in their mouth. That's sort of normal development for them. Um, and so, so they put it in their mouth, and then they, they ingest it that way. Now, you can get, it, you can absorb it through the lungs as well. That happens uh, more often if someone's doing construction or like sanding the paint off the walls or something like that. Sometimes we have people who are doing their own home painting and, and they want to get the old paint off and they're sanding it down and not realizing that it has lead paint in it. And so if they use an electric sander, it can make the dust really um, thick in the air and people can absorb it through their lungs that way. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Travis Hobart about lead poisoning. In July, the Syracuse Common Council approved a law that will let city code inspectors test homes for lead paint and issue violations if they find lead paint. How much do you think that this will help? So so I, I think this law is, is going to help a lot. I mean, it's certainly not going to make things go away overnight, um, but I do think it's going to it's going to make a big difference because uh, one of the one of the loopholes in the in the sort of inspection process was that they couldn't cite for lead um, in the home. And so when people are trying to rent their homes, um, you know, when landlords are trying to rent their homes to people, um, they they didn't necessarily like the homes would make it through the inspection without being cited for lead, and then and then you know families would move in, and children would be exposed. Um, so this is a great step forward, and I and I 
kind of advocated for it and, and uh, worked with the, you know the city council members, particularly Joe Driscoll, about it, um, about trying to get it get it passed because um, this will landlords will be accountable to make sure that the lead is gone before uh, before children um, or anyone moves into into those homes. And I think that's that's really uh, primary prevention, which is what we want when we see a kid in the, in the office and they've already been exposed, it's too late. You know, when we when we test their blood for lead, um, it's too late. They've already been exposed. The damage has already been done to some degree. And so this is hopefully getting the, um, you know, getting the problem out of their home before they get exposed to it. Well, I wanted to ask how you go about diagnosing or how do you tell if someone, a child has been exposed to lead? Uh, is it all through blood work? Yeah, so so lead poisoning is is sort of, it does cause symptoms, it can cause symptoms, but they're very big symptoms, especially at lower levels. There's kind of symptoms like maybe a headache, maybe stomach pain, maybe constipation, things that kids complain about all the time. Um, so so there's no real there's no real easy way to diagnose uh, lead poisoning at, at very low levels. Now, if it gets to very high levels, then people have seizures and go into a coma and, you know, um, Sometimes with chronic exposure, there are certain other signs, but but that's not what we rely on um, because uh, because we miss a lot of people and we know that even low levels of exposure are dangerous for children. There's no safe level, um, so we want to find out before any symptoms show up. Um, so so to do that, uh, the state of New York has required that all children get tested at the age of one and again at the age of two. Okay, so so that they so that we catch this in, in the kids that are otherwise asymptomatic. The parents don't know. The doctor doesn't know until we do the blood test. So this is all kids, no matter where they live or whatever conditions they may be exposed to. It's just blanket across the board. Everyone gets tested. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, because even even if you know that someone lives in a new home, well, sometimes you don't realize that they're going to grandma's house or they're going to a daycare or a babysitter who lives in an old house and they might be exposed and other other sources. Um, so so we just, uh, the state has decided that um, because many of the homes in New York State and, and something in, in the county, it's something like 70%, 70 or 80% of the homes are built before 1978. And in the city of Syracuse, it's over 90% of the homes are built before 1978. Um, so the state decided, and that's true for other cities in New York as well, it's not just Syracuse. Um, so the state uh, decided that the risk was, was too high and we needed to make sure we caught it, you know, caught it early. So we're testing do you ever see newborns or can babies be exposed in utero to lead or do you ever see them test positive on at birth? Uh, yeah, so so babies uh, can be exposed. The, the lead does cross the placenta and then get into the baby if the mother has has exposure. And so we do see that sometimes. And we recommend that uh, that OBGYNs test pregnant women for lead too, because that's really the only way to know in advance um, if you test the mother. And so, unfortunately, we, we, we do see that sometimes. And so it, it can often be, uh, I mentioned some people doing home renovations. Well, when you're pregnant is a lot of time when people want to paint the nursery and do, do that sort of thing. Um, and so, so that does happen sometimes that pregnant moms get exposed that way. They're sanding walls or things like that. Um, and then also some pregnant women have um, uh, pica behavior, which is when they're eating non-food items. And, and nobody quite knows exactly why people have pica, um, um, but, but we know that it happens more often in pregnant women. So, so if if pregnant women are doing that, they might be eating the paint chips themselves or eating soil that that might have lead in it from paint on the outside of the house or something like that, and they get exposed that way. 
And so when that happens, then we want to check the baby as well as soon as the baby comes out. And usually the baby's level is about, uh, about the same as the mother's, maybe a little bit less. Um, and then we kind of monitor that from there. Um, so how does a pediatrician care for a child who's been lead exposed? Uh, so so the, the, the main thing that we do, the most important thing is to, is to remove the source of exposure, right? So um, that's the most important thing is to get the child out of that house to a place that has, uh, has well, not necessarily out of the house, but either renovate the house so that it's safe um, and the lead is, is covered up or removed, um, or get the child out of that house to another house, depending on their situation and what, what can be done. Um, and so sometimes it's a relative's house, sometimes if they, if they have housing uh, assistance, then they, the housing assistance people will, will help find them a new house and they put them at the top of the list to help find a new house because of the, the lead exposure. Um, and then, um, but then usually the, usually the first thing we do is, is they talk to the landlord or if they're the homeowner, try to see if there are ways that they can address the lead in the home and fix it um, so that the kid can still live in the same, same place. Um, and then other than that, there's not a lot of treatment other than watching it um, and making and monitoring, making sure it doesn't go higher. Um, the only uh, treatment we have is is our medications that we use, but it, they only work uh, effectively when the lead is above 45. So um, so it's only really effective when the lead is very high. Um, so for those lower levels, when you have someone with five or 10 or 15 or 20 or even 30, um, the medicines don't help and you really just have to wait for the body to get rid of the lead on its own. Um, and monitor and make sure it doesn't go higher. So will any of the damage that's been done reverse on its own or? So, so no, we generally think that the damage once it's done is, is, is permanent. Um, and, and that is again, why it's so important to try to prevent this before it, before it happens. Um, you know, in any given child, it is particularly hard to say, what damage was done from the lead, and and it does seem that kids with lead poisoning have different amounts of damage, um, and and we don't quite know why, but they have different parts of their memory or their attention affected, and and everybody's a little bit different, and it probably depends how much they were exposed, when they were exposed, their developmental process, but but we don't often know. Oh, okay, this kid would have gone to Harvard, and now they're going to go to you know to uh, you know not go to college or not graduate high school or something like that. Um, and we we can't tell that because uh, you don't you only have the child in front of you and you only know how they're developing. Um, we do know that it means there if you look at groups of people, groups of kids exposed to lead, groups of kids not exposed to lead, those that are exposed to lead are more likely to have those problems. Um, but it's really hard to say on an individual level. Oh your kid's gonna have trouble in X, Y, and Z. You really just have to say, we have to make sure and monitor that child, make sure they get the help that they need if any troubles uh, show up, if any developmental problems show up. Are there ways for parents to help protect their children from lead poisoning? Yeah, so I think I think the key thing is um, um, is try to keep an eye around your home and look for, look for, uh, for cracking or chipping paint um, and uh, uh, and try to fix that. If, it, if it's your own home, fix it yourself certainly, um, or or have a contractor fix it. If it's your if you're renting the home, then it's your landlord's responsibility to fix that. Um, and uh, and if you find lead in the home, then the landlord uh, the landlord must fix it. It's the law, and and they can't evict you for that. Um, so um, so you can have the county health department um, come and do an ex inspection to see if there is lead there. Um, although in the time of COVID, the inspections have been limited, but they're trying to get those ramped back up again. Um, but they can they can come and do an inspection, see if there's lead there, 
if there is, then they, they can help you get it fixed by the landlord. Um, and there are also lead kits available at Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever um, to uh, uh, to test for lead for lead in the paint. There's a little it's a little simple test that turns red if there's lead in it, basically. Um, so so that's the key thing. Look out for the chipping paint. And then if you are gonna if you do see that paint is chipping or the paint's deteriorating, try to get that fixed. And the other thing is cleaning. Uh, cleaning practices are important. So we don't want to sweep up the dust around those those things. We want to mop it up. Use a wet wipe or a HEPA filtered vacuum cleaner. Because if you sweep it up, you're just going to kick up a lot of that dust into the air, and then it's going to settle down again somewhere else, and, and the kid's still going to get exposed. So you always want to use wet, uh, wet cleaning practices or a HEPA filtered vacuum that sucks it all. Well, lots and lots of good information. Thank you so much to Dr. Travis Hobart. He's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Upstate who also specializes in public health. He's also the medical director of the Central Eastern New York Lead Resource Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.